Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Well, good morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I was glad when they said, let us be the church, the pillar and the ground of the truth. And I believe it's the truth that makes us free. This morning, we are continuing our study on higher learning concerning the harvest. We do have a lot of information, but I just believe God today to be able to uh, give this message uh, uh, in the in the way that he would have it communicated. And we're just trusting the Lord for uh, for navigating this path. But you know, I, you know, in studying this, I get excited about it. Because every once in a while we need a refreshers course, and um, God has a way of of helping us in this time, and we need to set aside some time to um, to really depend on the Spirit of God to help us uh, in life's process. And I believe this teaching is really uh, a good way to spark an interest on life. On especially if someone is struggling in their Christian walk, uh, this is a good teaching to really kind of um, indulge and and delve into, so they they can um, get inspired again. And and uh, this is Jesus's ministry class before Jesus allowed the disciples to minister on his behalf. He. Cre- he created and he created this concept of reflecting on harvest as a as a means to take on his mandate. And so we're gonna do that today and have a ministry class on higher learning concerning the harvest. Let's pray. Father, we praise you and thank you for this day, knowing that this day this is the day that you have made me rejoice and are glad. We thank you for another opportunity to worship you. In spirit and in truth, it is the authority of your word that gives me confidence to make boldly known the mysteries of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. I do lean and depend on that Holy Spirit, who is the whole, uh, educator and guide, that gives me uh, clarity to make it make it known bold. And I say, Holy Spirit, have your way. Do what only you can do. Anoint the people's ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And, Father, everything that shall be accomplished and everything that shall be revealed, you be glorified for it is in the name of Jesus that we do praise you and give you glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen, amen. I just, you know, I wish that people in the body of Christ, especially those that are called, would would come to the harvest class. I think a lot of times uh, we we do a disservice 
when we have novices in the position of leadership. And one of the things uh, that I am going to do in, the, in this year, one of the assignments that I have is to really deal with leadership on another level because we confuse management with leadership. Where management focuses on function, and a lot of the positions that we have and we call them leaders are really for the sake of managing the house of God. But leaders have to have the perspective of God. You know, those are the ones that are supposed to be critically thinking, creatively uh, engine, uh, creatively crafting strategies that, that stimulate growth and development. That's what we're lacking in the church. We really don't have a leadership body. We have a functioning team. And team collaboration and leadership uh, collaboration are two different things. And and one of the things that you can't convey to a manager, because a manager is set on meeting an objective, is the heart behind the vision. Because they're not they're never there. They are never there for the for somebody who is is just seeing to the, that the objectives get done. They're never there for the sake of um, of the vision. They're there for the sake of function. And then what what happens often in the church, and this is just a nugget that I'm putting in, and this is not my teaching. This is straight from uh, communion with the Holy Spirit. What often happens is that we have people uh, in place um, to function, and we're wondering why they're not getting the vision, and that's because they're not established in what I'm calling heart for the harvest. Jesus never let anybody serve in a leadership capacity without having a revelation of his heart. Uh, And there goes the difference. God says to David, you're a man after my own heart. The Bible says as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So our reality is. It's crafted by our mentality. Of course, the heart is indicative of the of the of the deepest set of core values that we carry within us. This is the, this is the character the, the the character core within what we believe. And so many people are going out about life trying to re- reap the results of what our authentic vision. Uh, possesses without having the sight, the foresight, insight, and the hindsight, which is the heart behind why they're doing stuff in the first place. And so we get into this teaching, and of course the foundation of it is Matthew 9, 35 through 38. And Jesus says, look, before he goes in the villages and teaches synagogues and preaching in the kingdom of God, healing sicknesses, he was that's his ministry. He saw that it could not be limited with one person. He was not interested in making saviors. Saviors are, are set with one person. And and swoo, when see harvest encompasses the plan of God. And what moved him with compassion was the fact that it could not be replicated outside of him. 
until he fulfilled God's plan in his life. So our faith is not in his functioning. This, I, I, I hope you pastors are taking note. You know, they don't call me bishop in theory. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I hope you're taking note. Jesus understood his perspective at this point in the in the onset of his ministry when he's teaching and preaching in the synagogue was that it could not be a savior mentality that would would create replication because if it's only set in him then 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 the process of God's plan is only limited to the to potential that was in his personality but as long as the earth endures, there will be seed time and harvest. Do you get what I'm saying? And unless the seed fall in the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Hallelujah. And so he says, listen, he looks out and he moves with compassion because they fainted and were scattered abroad, having a sheep with no shepherd. See, shepherding, shepherding is guiding, is a, is a guiding. Then he looks at his disciples and says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray you therefore to the Lord of the harvest that he will send for what? Laborers into the harvest. Not one person, but a collective unit of people that are committed to work out the plan. Now, it's interesting when he's sending them out. He's sending them out in a harvest. Oh, come on, think about it. He's sending them out in a harvest. You know, part of the problem with the body of Christ is is we don't understand, we're not conscious of God's plan. And because we're not conscious of it, we the, the conformity to the world slights our perception of, of, of what's truly taking place. God didn't send you out in the in the in the uh, in the making of his plan in this dispensation. He sent you out in the harvest of his plan. So that so that you can expand the harvest as you know it. Hallelujah. And this is why the enemy don't want the body of Christ to learn and have a pure context on harvest because they're not they, they, the, the the stench of narcissism or, or self gratification and the and the, the the sins of iniquities will, will 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 cut off your access to it because your heart is not right. And man looketh on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. You have to have heart for the harvest. Genesis 8.22 is while the earth remains in seed time and harvest, cold and heat, and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. So the, the process of God's plan never ceases. The harvest is a depiction of God's creation where humanity is actively engaged in getting the most out of life. And harvest is the plan of God for the people of God, guaranteeing the blessing of God for their advancement in his kingdom. 
Now we got to prove that, and that's what we're doing in this in this study. We're proving. Um, uh, we're not proving the text. We're proving ourselves before God to be ready to serve this present age. And this is what this is what Harvest teaches us: the earth is going to yield its increase, and God, even our own God, will bless us as a result of His plan being effectuated in the earth. We see that that it is a it is a twofold. Uh, 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 Plan. It, the plan is unfolded in two in two dynamics. The two dynamics is an eternal perspective, an eternal perspective. That's where we see God's willingness, God's wondrous works, God's wonders rather, and then God's work. This is what he where he reveals who he is, what he does, and why he does it. Okay, because it's God's plan. It's the, the harvest reveals God's willingness to share his, his insights of, on how to live. It reveals God's wondrous plan for rewarding those who are faithful to how to live according to his plan. And then it also reveals God's work patterns through raising the people who are committed to the covenant or his plan, his will and testament. Hallelujah. So we study we study the covenant. We don't study scriptures. The Bible says the letter killeth, but the spirit gives life. We study the covenant. We are we are we are revelatory thinkers. Because we are we are committed to we are committing to hiding God's word in our heart that we might not sin against him. See, this is this is the work behind our work in ministry and in life. You you have to you have to love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. It's the soul, the heart, and the strength are all the same thing. But he's saying every layer of of your personality, your perspective, and your potential must all align to my plan. You got to have heart for the harvest, and if you can't see my plan in the people that are set before you, your heart is not right. Hallelujah! I'm getting ahead of myself, but I want to, uh, but I want to, I want to, you know, connect the dots. La 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 la. <laughs> Hallelujah! So we went into the in the last lesson, giving you illustrations that reveal the aspects of God's covenant with humanity. We talked about the thinking behind. We 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 investigated God's thinking. Now we got to investigate our thinking today. And 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 in in revealing that we saw that He had a plan that encompasses uh, that ensured us that He's going to get His covenant with humanity. He cut covenant with humanity in Exodus and Leviticus, in Exodus twenty three, Leviticus twenty five. Zephaniah prophetically uh, talks about the seed being prosperous and the vine shall give her fruit and the ground and the increase and the heavens shall give their due. Uh, due, of course, is a confirmation that the uh, harvest has come. And he will cause the remnant of the people to possess all these things. 
because the people are really the manifestation of this harvest. And when God prophetically declares a, 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 a victory, you know, what I saw in the spirit last year was a, a, a wealth of accomplishment taking place in this, in this new dispensation that we're crossing over. And what I didn't understand, you know, harvest is, is often connotated, triumph is connotated in death, victory through death. So that life, life through the, the death and the blood, through the through the struggle and the and the and the and the warfare, if you will, the death through the warfare will bring about a victorious uh, achievement. So that way the next generation can live off of victory, out of victory. And so what I realized in this in this season when we talked about triumph, and he said, pay attention to death. Uh, a little bit I know, I put it in the in the perspective of 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 finding God's plan through being conscious of what Jesus achieved through his death. And yeah, that's one part of triumph because you you will never understand uh, the the intricacies of his plan until you're confident in his finished works. And and we'll get into that as the year progresses because you got to have faith in in order to function in the in the new covenant or in in the in the to function in as a laborer in the harvest. You have to have confidence that the harvest is plentiful. Okay, and I, I know I'm speaking kind of uh, aloof a little bit, but uh, there's reasons. I, I don't want to get too far into it that I lose you into because I could just talk about what the Lord said about this year. But I wanted to connect triumph with harvest. The reason why is because we go back. Now, really, what I'm doing with those who are actively engaged into the life of ministry is reminding them of why we started in the first place. God had a plan. And the plan is locked in his people. And the power to serve releases uh, that laboring. That's how is it? Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. I, I'm going to go somewhere that I can't get, get out of in a second. So <laughs> I wanted to give the three foundational points that we, we have. We have um, illustrations and we have insights on the timing of God's sovereignty for humanity. We'll, what we're talking about is God's plan for his people. God has a plan, but the plan is for his people. And the heart that is for the harvest is set on serving that plan. Okay, so you, 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 can't, you can't fake this. We see the steadfastness in Psalms 1, blessed is the man that walketh, or you always say walks to the stand. In other words, he, don't, he, he has nothing to do with the world. His delight is in the law of the Lord or the order and the timing of God. And in that he meditates on day and night. And he is like a tree planted by the river of water, which brings forth fruit in what? There's seasons or in God's plan. And his leaves shall not wither nor, but whatsoever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so. So the reason, the reason, the reason why the man is blessed is because he's in the process of life according to God's plan that is diametrically opposed to to the ways of the world. It means he don't fashion himself 
in any form that functions in conjunction with the world. Come out from among them to be separate and touch not the unclean thing. Hallelujah. So there's a heart for the harvest. The ungodly are not so, but they are like the chaff which driveth with the wind. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Okay, and, and, I, and I'm glad we read that scripture because you got to understand God about bringing forth his plan, his plan. And then third, we talk about impact by obedience through the acts of faith that grows and develop legacy through generational, the, um, generational blessing. And that's what we're going to get into before we get into the second division of this, which is the honor code. And that's going to take a little bit of time because I'm going to, I'm going to drop a nugget at the very end of this teaching. Well, we're talking about having a heart for the harvest. Why man looketh on the outward appearance? God looks on the heart? Is that right? I, you know, and that's why the... Um, one of the things that God prophesied through Ezekiel 26, 30, uh, 36, 26, he said, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit will I put within you and I will remove the heart of stone of your flesh uh, and give you a heart of flesh. Now, I love that. I love the Old Testament depiction of the heart of flesh. The heart of flesh, because, of course, you know, when we um, teach on flesh, ultimately we talk about, don't, you know, don't, don't live by the flesh. <clears throat> The flesh and the heart of flesh is the flesh and the heart of flesh are two different things. So here, you know, the, the preachers say, you know, don't live out of the flesh, and then God say, I'm gonna give you heart of flesh. <laughs> no, but but the heart of flesh is, uh, you have to understand, uh, Old Testament writing, uh, Hebraic a concentration on uh, Hebraic meanings and writings. There are often words that that have connotations behind the word itself. And so the so you start looking at the uh, often like if you say a heart of flesh, you don't you don't really focus on heart as you do as as far as finding the connotation. You look at the word flesh and you find out why would he say flesh and then tie it to the heart. Because of course literally the the heart is the heart is not physical flesh, but what the, what it's saying is flesh is something if you scratch flesh, if you cut flesh, if you scrape flesh, you feel it, or it's sensitive. So really, it's talking about I'm going to give you something that's sensitive or something that's aware. When you touch it, you're aware. A heart of flesh. Now, why am I saying this? Because God gives that heart. And that's, that's what the, the heart that God had given Jesus moved into compassion or to com, compact his love for humanity. Y'all, y'all hear what I'm saying? You got to love God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Woo! Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall, what? See God. God, God is really blessed by what? The pure in heart. These are attributes 
of the heart of man. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 4, guard your heart with all diligence. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the what? Issues of life. Now, when we talk about the heart for the harvest, we're talking about seeing God's plan in other people. Now, the only thing that can wreck the word of God is Hebrews 4.12. The scripture says that the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing in the dividing of the soul from the spirit, the joints of the marrow, and the discerning of the, the thoughts and the intents of the what? Of the heart. So the reason why we go to the word is to get our hearts right. We could say like Psalm 51.10, it says, creating the old God a clean heart and renew the right spirit within me. Because of course the um, the re- or the heart to God is is the place that uh, 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 the place where your spirit exists. You know, I was listening, looking at, um, and a lot of you preachers delve into divination, especially when y'all laying hands and ministering to people, because you you're really trying to get their soul, and that's not your job. God saves the soul. Um, and we we try to we try to get people to convince people to be okay with the process of ministering, and we we start saying words to uh, convince their soul that this what's being take what's being done is is, a, is an act of God. And so we say a whole lot of stuff. You know, when you lay in hands and minister to people, you need to keep your mouth shut. The process of consecration. Hallelujah. I wish I could convey this like I'm I'm really under the um, thing. We we do a lot of talking. We're missing out trying to convince people um, to receive. And they're missing the moment because we're talking too much. And some of you don't even understand what's taking place. And because you don't understand it, you haven't really submitted to the authority of how God operates in the supernatural. You you've given all these words out and these and these and these half um <laughs> these these half thought out statements that are confusing people because you're not diligent in your study. Amen. We gotta do better. Praise the Lord. Because God don't want you to crush people's spirits and crush people from receiving what he's trying to get in their heart by polluting it with your own theories about what he's doing in the process. Be quiet. Be still and know that he's God. If he tells you to lay hands, just lay hands. You don't always have to give a word when you lay hands on people. They can receive God's power more than your prophecy. Because God don't have no problem speaking through himself in, in in times past through the prophets. In this time he's speaking through Jesus. <laughs> Glory to God. And of course, you know, Ezekiel, I like the prophet Ezekiel, of course, when you talk about the spirit and the new spirit that God is giving and removing away the flesh and giving you a heart of flesh or sensitive, a sensitive heart. The reason why I like that is because it's letting you understand that the that the heart has to has to have a certain spirit. Um, 
helping you. Hallelujah. Okay. Ultimately, what uh, what proceeds out of the mouth of man can be traced to the state of their heart. And one of the things, even when I had to deal with it, because motive is everything to God, but a lot of the mentality uh, that comes from the motives that you have in your head are produced out of your mouth. And you got to be careful what you put in your head, okay? All right. Now, the next 30 minutes, we're going we gonna to get into some real teaching here. And I, like I told you, I'm going to leave you with a whammy <laughs> and, and go from there. And, of course, you know, First Timothy 1.5 charges us. Uh, well, let's go there. And I, I I don't like the word charge, so I'll use the King James. There's one other translation I use. I don't use the NIV because a secular person created the NIV, and they were dedicated to demonology. They even left out about 17 verses in the entire scripture. So I don't use that, that translation. But I do like the English Standard Translation. But for the sake of context for this teaching, um, you hear me quoting a lot from the English Standard. Um, if I'm not quoting King James. But the end of the commandment is love or charity out of a pure heart and a good conscience, which is a faith unfeigned or uncorrupted. So the purest form of faith is a good heart. And this is this is why the enemy is attacking us. You have to have a heart for the harvest. All right? Now, which leads me, and I was wondering where to place this in, I want to give you wisdom for the heart. One, be careful not to create a counterfeit kingdom when concentrating on harvest. I said be careful. You remember when when, um, Israel in 1 Samuel chapter 12, um, when Israel wanted a king. They wanted a king so bad because they had looked at to the world. They wanted a system that didn't involve a prophet or someone. They, they did not like theocracy where they're governed under the spirit of God. They wanted, they wanted a system where they could, and, and, and ultimately that was because <coughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, excuse me. Israel wanted a king because they saw, they envied the world. God had brought them out, but the, the, the word of wisdom was found in verse 17, which says, it is not wheat harvest today. I will call unto the Lord, and he shall send thunder and rain that ye may perceive and see what wickedness is great, which ye have done in the sight of the Lord, in you in asking you a king. So what happened was, of course, you know the children of Israel. Of course, Samuel was the king maker, <laughs> okay, but he was also the prophet of God for the people of God, 
to 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 give them what what God was saying, and He guided them for years. Um, not only him, but other prophets and judges in the earth are those who God would raise up to to exude or exhibit His judgment. But they weren't satisfied with that. They said Egypt got a pharaoh. All these other lands got a man. We need a man. Now, of course, you know, David was a man after God's own heart. But he served Saul. Saul was a man who looked apart. Now, be careful, especially in these days when you, you uh, kingmakers, supposedly authorities, I don't know where we get in the scripture where we done made the pastor the top of the fivefold ministry. Something's wrong with that. Not, it says first the apostles. So we need to restore that structure um, of authority in the scripture, contrasting the different gifts in Ephesians 4 and 1 Corinthians. Um, Corinthians, which one was right? Well, both letters were written by the same guy, so you got to see the connotation of both and see that the authority as far as when he was setting up church structure, he said first the apostles. <laughs> So yeah, they're not equal in 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 status. I don't. I know there's some theologians that um, try to make all the fivefold gifts the same and contrast them from the ministry of services uh, and um, and for the sake of function and leadership. But in God's eyes, He set some as it pleased Him, and so this is the same situation here. Jesus. Jesus set out a decree to his ministers that if you're going to go out there and represent what I'm doing when it comes to healing the sick, uh, giving sight to the blind, uh, preaching the gospel to the poor, which is really changing their uh, perspective on God's agenda. If you're going to do that form of, 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 of functioning as I, you're going to have to have a compassion that sees God's plan in his people and and commit yourself to serve with that interest in mind or in heart. Y'all get what I'm saying? That's what the message is about. Because you can't be polluted in your heart and serve, you know. And I come to you as somebody who has served as a child. That's my complex. That's my reality. From a child to now... A man, a, a middle-aged man. I'm coming to you saying, motive is everything to God. Is your heart right before the Lord? Are you doing this for the right reason? Are you are you living for the applauses of men, or are you living to please God? Is it about God and only God, or do you got some agenda, or do you have some ambition? That's, that's taking you out of line with God's plan. You can't play with his people. You can't play with the potential that is in his people because his people, in, locked in his people, in his plan. And the more you connect to his people, the more precious is his plan. And if you're busy trying to make your own kingdom, you'll miss out on God's plan. Y'all hear what I'm saying? James reminded us of that, and that's why he had to bring clarity to what uh, was going on um, in chapter 5, uh, what's going on post-Paul era. Y'all, do y'all hear what I'm saying? Because the people went crazy. The New Testament church 
is see you mean I mean imagine the growth that happened in Acts. And how and, and oh Lord, hallelujah. But in verse eight it says, Be ye also patient, establish your hearts to the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. He's dealing with a mentality, okay? And of course, you know, and before he says, Go to now those who consider themselves to be rich and talk about their corruption. Behold the hire of laborers who have reaped down the fields which ye have kept back by fraud, crieth, and cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Saboeth, or the God that returns. Lord Jesus, have mercy. Ye have lived in the pleasures of the earth and have been wanting. Ye have nourished your hearts as in the day of a slaughter. Ye have condemned and killed the just, and he do and and he does not resist you. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Lord Jesus. Now that's another type of teaching. See, this is what we're not teaching. You hear what I'm saying? But he, in verse uh uh, yeah, yeah. Verse seven is where we are. It says, "Listen, be patient. Therefore, brother, to the coming of the Lord, behold, the husband that waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and have long patience for it until he receive the early and the latter rain. Be patient. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draw not. So when we talk about the harvest, it does have the end in mind. But you got to be careful. You don't build your own kingdom." Grudge not one against another, verse 9. Brother, we see, be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of the suffering, afflictions, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy, which endure. Ye have heard of patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful, and of tender mercy. But above all things, brethren, swear not neither by heaven, neither by nerves. This is mentality about your heart state. Neither by any other oath. That means you don't got no business. And let me say this, because you got a lot of preachers now that are pledging and, and, and committing themselves to uh, fraternities and sororities. That's demonic. That's unscriptural. You're not to take any other oath. How are you going to have a heart for the harvest and you got oaths to other gods, <clears throat> sworn to secrecy, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, lest you fall into condemnation. Now, this is what the elders of the church are supposed to be like. Is any among you afflicted? Let them pray. Is anybody merry? Let them sing songs. Or if he's happy, let them sing. Is any among you sick? Let them call upon what? The elders of the church. Let them pray over them, anointing them in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise them up. And if he's committed any sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? So you got to be careful not to create a counterfeit kingdom. This is wisdom for your heart. Appropriate way to access knowledge. You got to be conscientious of the timing of God. God's plans requires a commitment 
of consistency. The scripture tells us in Proverbs 6 to consider the ants. Now, <laughs> you ever read that scripture? Let's go there, Proverbs 6. Amen. We're not going to go to every single one because I'm going to finish this. I've got a few minutes. <laughs> and um, we can look that one up. I want to look it up in the ESV translation. I'm getting deep and modern now. <laughs> I like this because it says, look, listen, verse 4. It says, give your eyes no sleep. Your eyelids no slender. Save yourself like the gazelles from the hand of the hunter, like the birds from the hand of the fowler. Go ye to the ant, O slugger. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having a a chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O slugger, when you arise from your sleep, O oh, little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber who wants to be. And then he goes on to talk about worthless person. But you got to understand, you, you got to be committed and conscious of the time. You can't be, so you got to make haste for your feet. Verse 18, or verse 16, there are six things which the Lord hates. Seven is abomination. One haughty eye, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wickedness, and feet which maketh haste to run a run to evil, a false witness who beareth out lies. God God looks at people and bearing false witness is not always just saying things but allowing things to exist that you know is not true. <laughs> False with the one who sows discord among the brother. Why? You got to be conscious of the timing of God because his, his, his commandments require a commitment of consistency. And then thirdly, you got to be committed to the um, committed to consecration to His love. And we'll get into that First John four five fifteen. First John chapter four fifteen, all the way to chapter five. Verses 4. Amen? Now, the Lord gave me um, realms of the heart. This is the new outline. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Realms of the heart. And here we're going to give three realms. Number one is consistent in good works. We, uh, whenever you deal with... Um, what the Bible says about the harvest, you will always see this 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 theme of working. The fact that now let me tell you this. I when and this is for preachers. I told you this was a ministry class. There's a there's a a, a great a simplistic way to reconstruct authority in the church, in the local church. And that is to set everybody in a serving uh, solution. See, a lot of times, and I'll never forget, I was at a church uh, strategies conference in the 90s, 
And uh, one of the guys uh, was preaching at the time. Uh, the only reason why I don't know this guy's name or his authentic name because apparently he was working um, in a in some type of operation where his name was one thing, and then a few years later he changed his name. So I'm not going to put a reference on his name, and I'm sorry I would give him credit if I understood his name. He's a pastor. As a matter of fact, his church is recently located, and he's um, – I can't even think of the name of the area that he lives in, but it's one of the weird areas. God called him to from California into the coldest part of the of the United States. But uh, he's a great, straightforward preacher. And one of the things he said was, and in his church before he established leaders as far as elders and pastors, uh, all the members went through a process, a process where the serving serving the church separated you to, to, to uh, be seen as a leader. So in other words, every member went through the same process. When they came through the church, they got an understanding of the history, the theology of the church, and then they went into uh, different com- uh, components of the church and served in every entity before they were separated as a leader in the church. And one of the things that I find, when you, when you put somebody in position, um, for the sake of having the position over them serving their way to greatness, their heart is not right. And you get a lot of arrogance, competition, ambitions that don't that cancel out the plan of God because when the motive is right, God's anointing is not on it, when it's not right. So you got these people up in the upper epsilon of leadership that ain't never been a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord, <laughs> ain't never swept the floor. They never wiped down seats. I, the ministry development, my grandfather, and you'll hear me talk about my grandfather. There are two men that are closest to God in my eyes. My grandfather and Pastor William Campbell. The other one who just recently deceased, died, Dr. Mills, is close as far as excellence is concerned. He, he achieved excellence. But even him, he was a servant. <laughs> Um, but one of the things that my grandfather did in development, um, oh, I got to hurry, um, um, was you didn't preach on his pulpit, at least I didn't preach on his pulpit, without cleaning his church. And when I say clean, I'm talking about vacuum the floor, wipe out the weeds, put out the sign, water the grass in front of the sign, of the church, make sure that the lawn was mowed, real cleaning, not no, no, um, no fake cleaning. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Real service. And and by that time, then I would pray with him. And then once the Sunday school got there, we would have prayer before Sunday school. And then before the service started, we would have prayer. So when everybody else had prayed one time. For the one service of that day, or the two, most likely two, I would have prayed four times. <laughs> I needed all the God I needed. <laughs> but what was that? What was that? It was service. God don't. God doesn't need speakers. He needs service. <laughs> Hallelujah. So there's three realms. The, the the realms of it is is a consistency in good works. Good works is what you produce. 
um, and you can write down these scriptures for reference, Exodus 23, God's outlook on, on work. Exodus 34, and Deuteronomy 24:19, Exodus 34:21, but Galatians 6, 9 says, Do not get weary in well-doing, for ye shall reap if ye faint not. It is, it is your works that produces your witness and, and your worth. Do you get what I'm saying? And it is a worship before God. So this is this is where your ethics are unlocked to the excellence of God. When your ethics exhibit God's excellence, God sees your works. The Bible says, let your light shine before men, 516 Matthew, that they might see your good works. Because men, men see your good works. Why? The harvest is in people. So your good works produces a light or it sheds light on God that they might glorify your Father which is in heaven. So it produces, it shows God's beauty when you are committed to his work. Do you hear what I'm saying? And it's a good work. It's a good work. Not only must you be consistent in, in, in work, number two, you got to be consistent in growth or fruitfulness. I want you to note something. Matthew thirteen thirty nine indicates, and of course Matthew 13 is talking about the parable of what? Soil, the conditions of the heart. God is not the only one that sows and harvests. That's what I wanted you to note. God is not the only one that sows and harvests. The devil also sows and harvests. What is he? So, tears, similar to wheat. But what happens is the end result is that it doesn't have the wheat. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So the parable of the soil or the sower, and I'm going to make a statement at the end of the message in a second. But the parable of the of the soil will help you um, mm, Understand God's plan, but you got to also understand the enemy's plot. He wants to distort this life process. See, God wants you to produce from your heart, and everybody is supposed to be connecting from the heart. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? Because you got to have heart for the harvest. All right. So, so consistency and work, good works. And consistency and growth is necessary. John 15, uh, and, and of course, the, you know, I wanted you to understand that the devil also sows plots in hearts so that you can understand. Uh, let's go to John, John 15. Why it's important that you are consistent. Jesus says, I am the vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch does bear fruit, it, it, um, oh, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to read the NIV. Uh, let me go to, um, King James. Bear with me. Now, ye are clean. It says, look, it says, every branch in me that bears not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it. That means to cut off the, just the skin or the flesh of it, the surface flesh, so that it brings forth what? More fruit. 
See, the thing about purging, too, you purging uh, purging happens two ways. It extracts seeds from it or extracting its flesh. Okay? That's a loaded statement right there. Now, you are clinging to the words which I have spoken. You abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit, except it yet be abided around, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abided in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide in me and not in me, and he is cast forth as a branch, and as whither of men gather them, cast them to the fire, that they be burned. But if ye abide in me and my words abide in me, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be. It shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. So, so having a, 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 a having consistent growth and having consistent good work is what produces a good heart. You know what I'm saying? And then thirdly, you have to have consistent generosity. Consistent generosity. Okay. Now, the Lord dropped this in my spirit, and I'm going to take a whole teaching and and give. Maybe I'll spend Tuesday on it because I want to finish this division, division one, and we'll we'll go for um, seeds of the harvest. We'll talk about that. Uh, seeds of the harvest on Tuesday. Praise God. So I'll give it to you, and then we'll we'll go on because we're out of time. Leviticus 23, uh, 21 is a brilliant scripture. Um, because uh, it's really you need to read 21 through 23, also verse 22. But it says, um, six days shall ye work, and on the seventh day shall ye rest. In plowing time and in harvest time shall ye rest. And when ye reap the harvest of your land, ye shall not reap your field, um, field right up to the edge, nor shall ye gather the gleanings after the harvest. Ye shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord. So there's a portion of, of your harvest that is dedicated to the poor and the priest. Okay? Um, John, um, John 4.36 confirms this. Hallelujah. And... Um, Uh, okay. It says, do not say that there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look for, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are ripe for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering the fruit of eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. You've got to be generous, okay? And, and here's what the Lord gave me. This is what I said I was going to drop into you. The only reference to seed sowing is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And, and it's not talking about money. So we're going, to, we're going to talk about seeds for the harvest, seeds of the harvest, rather. And we're going to get into this dialogue about, I wanted to get a little bit into it. Because if your heart is not right, you're not going to have the harvest which God has promised. This is higher learning concerning the harvest, 
We've got to have a greater outlook on God's plan. And in God's plan, everybody benefits in the process, the priest, the poor, and the person. You know what I'm saying? And you have to have a, a proper perspective on this. Generosity, generosity is giving out of a grateful heart before the Lord. Your harvest is what's, what's being produced out of your life from what has been sown in your heart. And what you sow in the hearts of others is what you're going to reap. And if you don't have value in what you're doing in the process of God's plan, you're not in his harvest. So I'll leave you with these five things that ensures that you have a heart for the harvest. Number one, you need to have convictions concerning his consecrated command, God has commands. It is in his commands that, that we find uh, these commitments, these convictions to be committed. It's also in his heart that we have, in the heart of a heart for the harvest, that we have characteristics ascribed from his perceived nature. A lot of the reasons why is because they don't have a heart of flesh. They're not sensitive. But if you have a heart for the harvest, you have a characteristics that, that you ascribe to from his perceived nature. You also have, thirdly, clarifications concerning the importance of man establishing covenant. Committed to death. Death. In it for the long haul. In it for life. And then you have commitments or we have uh, commitments to generational uh, transfers and transformation. Now, when you have a heart for the harvest, you're committed to, to serve as the example, submit through obedience, and sacrifice for the greater good. And that's what Jesus was looking for and those who would then devote themselves to his word so that the truth could be transmitted through the Spirit to them. See, the Spirit could not use them without them being having a heart for the harvest. Did y'all hear what I said? The Spirit of God is limited to the heart. And God will not unlock and unlavish the harvest which he has prepared for you if your heart is not committed to serve as the example, to submit to obedience, and to sacrifice for the greater good. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for insights behind your plan, and we commit, Lord, this day to look deeply within what we're doing and to command our souls to obey. Our soul says yes this morning to your will and to your way. For your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. God, make us so ever conscious. of who we are in you. 
And for that alone, we give you praise and glory in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right. Now, next next lesson is going to be on Tuesday, and then next week we'll be in Division 2, the honor code. Amen. And we're going to go into the covenant on another level. Praise God. Thank you for listening. God bless you. I trust that whatever you set your hands to do, you'll do, because great is he that's within you, and he that's within the world. God bless you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.